millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, I work in, like, um, music supervising, licensing, stuff like that, yeah. We work mostly on movie trailers. That's funny, because I was going to start by asking about a movie trailer, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> because I know that you're a big Michael Jordan fan. I am, I am. Wait, are you talking about the new, the new Space Jam yeah. or something? <laughs> yeah, actually, my job worked on that. So Whoa. it's a full circle. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty full circle in my world. So That's amazing. Small world. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Dreams do come true, I guess. <laughs> so what exactly how exactly does that work what did you do on that trailer so i work with like um i work with composers to like so i'm between like the client the client who is like actually cutting the trailer and like the type of music they want they reach out to me and my job i work at this place called pusher and they reach out to us and they're like we're looking for this vibe we want to like big hip-hop in this section of the trailer and then you know, more string, more contemporary in this part. And we kind of just like reach out to our composers that we work with, create something specific for the trailer and then like go back and forth between the client and the editor of the trailer. And then us, I also do like some composing there too, but um, I was hired as like, not as a composer, but now I've like weaned my way in. Be like, I <laughs> I do music too. Um, so yeah, it's a very very fun job. How did you get involved with that? I don't know. You know, um, definitely. You re- not that you like reach a point in 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 music that you're like, all right, I need to find a plan B. But I've just always been interested in that. Um, as far as like, I, I've always been interested in being a music supervisor. Like, I'm like, who chooses the soundtracks for TV shows? Who chooses these type of things? And like, that was something I was interested in. And I actually ended up 
like two years ago, taking a class, like a night course on music supervising and licensing. And my, I got really close with my teacher and she worked at Netflix. And then she heard that this place Pusher was hiring and it just kind of happened like that. And it was really great timing because I got hired at this place like a month or two before the pandemic hit. So I, w- I, I at the time I was like, how am I going to tour and do my Ian Sweet thing <laughs> while I actually have this job? And then everything kind of ended up working out weirdly where I was able to devote a lot of time to this job and also Ian Sweet because I was like working from home. Everything kind of worked out, but now, but now, but now that maybe touring is going to start coming back. I'm like. <laughs> How is this going to work? <laughs> I guess it's good to start the new job, though, with more of a balance, and then it should be easier to kind of adapt to it than if you had been touring at the time when you first began it. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah, like I've set that foundation at the job. and Yeah. Where are you at? I'm in Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire in Scotland. Wow. You're. A, I know actually you're a, an Annie Lennox fan, same place she's from. Love Annie Lennox. Wow. <laughs> wow, she's from there? So cool. Yeah. Claim to be. That's yeah. the one person from Aberdeen who's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to have one. Yeah. But yeah, it's a currently three degrees Celsius here, which I think is like 36 degrees Fahrenheit in oh, April. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got like all my windows open. It's hot as hell already. <laughs> like It was like 90 degrees the other day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How long does Ellie, does Ellie get cold? Like, Does it ever really go down or is it always kind of the same? I mean, probably the coldest it gets is like in the 50s or something. Man, it's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of like, I'm a lizard. I love the heat, so. (laughs) Did you grow up there? Yeah. 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 um, How's the knitting? (laughs) Wow, I love it. Um, Wow, the knitting is, is really great. I mean, I just fell in love with, with that during quarantine and now I started selling some of the hats that I make now that I am selling them it feels more like a chore or a job so I think I'm going to go back to just not not selling it because you know you know the moment you have like homework or something to do (laughs) yeah it, it stops becoming that one creative thing that's kind of free from any pressure right right yeah so what sort of stuff do you knit just like hats and scarves and stuff or i've been knitting like these weird elf hats (laughs) (laughs) mostly of the elf shape like pointed at the top and it's fine i like the idea of knitting in la you feel like it'd be the one place where you don't need woolen wear i know i know I know, but I've been making like bucket hats more so, so they're like shade, you know, giving you some shade. Yeah, which is important. Yeah. What uh, What do you think about when you knit? Are you kind of solely focused on that, or do you allow your mind to wander a little bit? You know, it's like one of the most zen things I've ever done. Like, I totally just kind of go blank, <laughs> and which is really nice for me. Um, and I think that's why I'm really obsessed with it is because my mind is always racing always going a million miles a second on whatever it can grasp onto i'm like always just overthinking and always up in my head and i don't have many outlets that allow me to just like go blank not that like go blank i'm like dead but 
you know, there's just chill out a little bit. I, I yeah, just a little bit chill out. Like I don't smoke weed because it gives me anxiety. Like I don't. Well, you were born on four twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was. Um, yeah, I think if you're born on four twenty, something weird happens to you, and you just like don't smoke Can't weed. weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you. Uh, I know you used to sew as a teenager as well because you wanted to be a fashion designer was that a similar thing for you at that time was that another way of kind of getting to a zen state where you were just focusing on one thing yeah i think so i think it's probably the same yeah i probably always grasped onto things that allowed me to do that and have like a release from my own brain that's like also playing live is like very i get out of my head for at least an hour and just focus on something else but yeah, sewing, I don't know, it was just started as a fun thing that I took some sewing classes with a friend at this like fabric store near our house. And I was just making a bunch of weird things for my mom and my sister. Yeah, I guess, I guess. So <laughs> I don't know, I haven't, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but yeah, probably. Do, do you feel like you've always had a passion for design? Because I guess you yeah. could kind of see, how, yeah, like a parallel there between fashion and then music is kind of a similar thing yeah i've always i mean i full control over like the aesthetics of ian sweet and what goes into every single piece the from the album art to the music videos like the visual concepts and i'm very particular about that and i think definitely it's the same as like i'm very nitpicky about not nitpicky but i'm very like clear-headed on my the way I dress and like my fashion sense. And I think it's all just like, it all blends together. Those two wor- worlds for me definitely blend together. Yeah. I guess it's about detail and having kind of a care for that as well. Yeah. 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 Very, very detailed and a little bit OCD sometimes, but, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> when it comes to your art, I think everyone's, everyone's like that. Yeah. It's cause you care about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be living in the world forever. You want it to, to feel good. Do you remember the first time that thought kind of came to you? The idea that this thing was going to be around for a long time? Yeah, I, I weirdly don't think about that. <laughs> I think more recently I've been thinking about the impact that I have like on the world and on the planet. And like, not like legacy, but just the things I'm going to leave behind and like what what will what will that be for me just like as i'm getting older and and thinking more about the things i do and what i contribute what i contribute to music and just the world and um i i think yeah that's that's natural i guess as you just get older you start thinking about those things and what you've accomplished and who's gonna who's gonna see it i think when i was when i was younger making music i was like i just want to put this out I just want to put this out. Um, really not thinking about like the footprint it would have. And now I've been become a little bit more precise and like OCD in a way and perfection driven, <laughs> um, which can be a little intense, but I think it's important to recognize what you're, what you're putting out there and make sure it's, it represents you as a whole. Uh- a lot of those thought patterns you were talking about there in terms of thinking about your impact and what's going to last, is that partly because your birthday's come on, coming up as well? Is that what's maybe fueling that a little bit? I had my birthday last yeah. week and I kind of had a similar thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, you're in Aries? Yeah, April Fool's Day. 
Oh man. Okay. We both have like <laughs> iconic birthdays. Yeah. I, I think so. I've been having a little bit of like an existential crisis about my birthday coming up and just that it's been a whole year living in a pandemic and that I, you know, we, we both had birthdays in a pandemic already. It's now we have yeah. another one. It's really crazy. Not at all that I feel like this year was wasted. I accomplished so much and feel like I've grown tremendously because of the pandemic. Honestly, I had time to do it, to do things, but I just, I think just with this record, it, there was a lot that I wanted to say with it. And I wanted to make sure I said it in a way where like people didn't take it out of context either. Like a lot of the interviews too are really based in like the, the mental health struggles I had. And I just, it, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a tricky subject. You know, I don't, not everybody is able to get the help they need or have access to the help they need. And like, I don't want to be out here being like, yeah, so just go, go get some help. And, uh, like no big deal. Uh, so I don't know, just so much of what I say and the, and the words that are coming out, out of my mouth and they're more important than ever. I think just because, um, there's a lot behind them. There's a lot more behind them than ever before. Is that because of the weight of the kind of struggle that you were mentioning there? Once you've yeah. Kind of, yeah. Once you've gone through that. Yeah. Like because I hope that people are, you know, listening to the record and taking, you know, taking something away that, that feels good to them, but also, I don't know, just wanting to feel connected to people and feel understood. I It's interesting though. I speak to a lot of artists who kind of say the same thing, this desire to kind of be understood in their music and when they feel like they're not, it almost fuels them to try and communicate things in a clearer way because that's what they're trying mm. to get toward. Yeah. I mean, we're we're all trying to be heard, I guess, and understood. And it's weird that we do it in a way where it's just like a ton, a ton of people we don't know. We're trying to get that from them. But I think it's like, honestly, probably the, the strangers and the people you don't know the most that kind of find ways to relate to you. Like, that's how I feel when I listen to music like that I love. I feel connected to the artist more than I feel like connected to some of my friends, you know, just because I'm like, I feel that so immensely what they're saying and they're saying it in such a way it feels like, feels like pointed towards me. Can there ever be a danger to that too though? Like if you're connecting yes. with someone on that level and then you go back to your friends and you don't feel that with them, you can feel a little disconnected. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, de- I mean, definitely. Uh, How do you balance that? Well, good question. I mean, I think it was more so when I was really, when I was younger, when I was a lot younger, I was like, I felt like nobody or not a lot of people understood me or understood what I was going through. And that's when I turned to music more than anything, like listening to like Coldplay and Bright Eyes and all these like sad. (laughs) (laughs) Soaking in melancholy. Yes. Yes. And I'd be like, they get it. Uh, but that's more of so of a younger thing, a younger me thing. I think now I, now that I'm on the other end of it, like playing music that people like and relate to, I, I understand how important it is. Like when you feel alone and you don't feel comforted, like that's where music comes in the most. Obviously it's very important to, to have 
people you trust and friends you trust and people you're able to talk to and confide in. But I think for all of us, music, music and movies and art in general just does things and provides us with things that, that even someone sitting next to you can't sometimes. It's just, it's just another worldly relationship sometimes. I guess it maybe comes down to the lack of pressure as well. Like if you're trying yeah. to connect with a friend or talk about something, there's a real sense of repercussions there, whereas music is almost yeah. like getting help without any baggage, Right. you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. It's like getting direct help, like straight to the brain, straight through the ears. Like you don't need, yeah, you don't even need to have a conversation about it. It's just, it's just there for you. And that's, I mean, that's the type of music I, I try to create too. It's just have like making, making people feel comforted and just like, they're not alone in anything, I guess. Is it weird being on the other side of it where you're trying to create this music for people to find comfort in, but then how do you kind of see them finding the comfort in it? There's no way for you to really kind of directly come into contact with that. Right, I, right. I mean, I guess um, it's not like an intentional thing as I'm writing the music. I'm not like, oh, I hope somebody really, really dives into this and, and sees it for what it is. I... I'm trying to help myself by writing the songs. I'm comforting myself. It's, I mean, I, I play music and write music solely for me. If we're being honest, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if I didn't play music. So, but in turn, you are putting it out to the world. So you would hope it just doesn't, just doesn't end up in the hands of, of no one. Like you do want people to relate to it as well. Or not, or not, or get, or or get nothing out of it and just listen to it for fun. Like it's, it's not like everybody has to have a really intense experience with the music. I, I think that would be a little bit too much. But you can do both, though. Like if you look at like Sword on the new record, you can dance to that song and you can get right. a really kind of strong emotional message from it. <laughs> Thank you. And I was just going to mention Sword. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, that song. If, if you're not really down to listen to the lyrics. And you're just like, I want to bop around. There you go. You have that option. And if you want to listen to the lyrics and bop around, you can do that too. Like, and, and I, I think I'm going more in that direction with my music too. Just trying to create like dichotomy, pull people in different directions, almost like confuse them <laughs> or something and not be as straightforward with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a hard world. We don't always want to be listening to downer down and depressing <laughs> songs by Ian Sweet <laughs> Do, what does that song start with does it start with the strong emotional message at the centre of it or does it start with the kind of dancey synths and stuff and the, the the light soundscape yeah the song definitely started with the the heavier lyric matter I didn't even expect to have it become what it did it just felt right in the moment. Like I remember driving to the session where we were going to record it. And I was just listening to like top 40 radio in my car. And I had, I literally didn't know who any of the people were that were on the radio, but I was just like, felt good. And I showed up and to the session and yeah, I was like, I have this song, you know, this song I could play, play it for you on acoustic guitar. And then, as the session went on, we were just like, suddenly, I was like, I, but I feel like we need to have like a more groovy thing here. And, and the producers were just down. We were just down to have something that was more fun. By the end of the night, we were like 
dancing around the room. Like <laughs> we just made a fucking pop song from the weirdest, saddest lyrics. And uh, it was just so fun. And it felt like that was like one of my favorite songs to make for the record. And I was just so excited to release it because it was different for me. But yeah, I definitely, I wrote it on acoustic guitar. I remember I played it for, there was like a, a tour I went on with Frankie Cosmos, actually a Europe tour. And I was playing sword on the tour and I was just doing solo. And it was like, yeah, me and uh, electric guitar, just playing, just playing that. And it just took different shape and I'm so happy it did. Had you recorded it at that point when you were on tour playing it with just the acoustic guitar? No, no. What did you learn from taking it on the road like that and deploying it in that setting that then helped you when you were in the studio when you translated it into more of a dancing number? Yeah, well, I, I also, um, Greta, who's in Frankie Cosmos and everybody else from that band and that tour, like loved that song the most. They were like, are you going to play Sword tonight? Are you going to play Sword tonight? And I was like... Yeah, and then it was like stuck in everybody's heads and they were just singing it like when we were in the van and everything. And and, and that sort of spoke to me in a way where it's like it was our, it was so catchy maybe that it, it needed it needed that moment to be to have like all the other pop elements since it already had like that strong pop kind of hook. I think um I think I just wanted to give that song its moment and make it make it different does it feel different when you play it now well i haven't really had a chance oh, yeah. to play <laughs> um but my band has practiced a couple times and yeah we've we've played it more so like how the recording is like yeah we're trying to trying to match that more when you're when you're playing it like emotionally are you still tapping into the same places you were when you took it out on that tour or has that changed slightly as a result mm. of the, the mm. more lighthearted tone? Not lighthearted, but bouncier tone. No, that's a really yeah, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, I think it I think it has changed emotionally. It doesn't hold as much weight. Just be, and, and and with some of my other songs, like when we play, like there's a song on the record called "Get Better" and sing to like cry like those are really heavy for me to play live or just even with my band so far i get like i get kind of heated i get like oh this is really what i was going through i'm feeling it again but sword when it yeah that's that's interesting it's more just like we're hopping around everybody's grooving and it doesn't hold this this really intense storyline almost yeah the lyrics the lyrics become something else in a way that that feels nice for to be for it to be light. Not everything has to be so dark and heavy. And because I'm really not like a dark, heavy person, I just like. <laughs> but when music happens, <laughs> when I start playing music, something, some like demon comes. Out. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> something happens to me. Has that always been the case for you? That like from when you began writing music, yeah, you, yeah drawn to the dark <laughs> topics, yeah, yeah, or just. Yeah, I think ever since I was young, that's what came out of me. And but, yeah, just like things that I was struggling with or struggling through. And that's what music has been for me. It's just an outlet. Well, it's interesting that you were bringing up, you know, like, get better and sing till I cry. Is the catharsis different when you write a song like that? When it's a little more raw and a little more directly 
with the emotion of the lyrics themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I just get really deep in my head when singing those lyrics and like remembering why I wrote them and what the emotion was behind them. But it, it's weird because I just haven't had the opportunity to play these in a in a real live setting where there's something that happens when you play your music live that's just like it it hits you in this different way and I I unfortunately haven't had that opportunity to experience fully like what that would what that would be like. Um, does yet. Uh, does the process almost feel a little incomplete then? Like that final step hasn't yeah, been done yet. Yeah, definitely. I definitely it's driving me nuts. Like it's really I, I've been struggling with. I've been seeing tours get getting announced again and for for like next year or next fall. And I'm almost, I'm getting like this pit in my stomach about just how long it's been since I played. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm like, I want to play so bad that when I see tours are getting announced, I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go, like, get me out there right now. Like, why are not, why aren't I announcing a tour? Like, that's all I live. Like, I just love to play live and that's why I do this genuinely. Like I feel the best when I'm performing it does feel like a piece is missing. It feels, it does not. Yeah. The record as a whole feels incomplete. I definitely think. When you have that slight feeling of incompleteness, can you still keep writing? Can you kind of keep going or does it feel like you need to try and tie the knot mm. off on this one before you? Yeah. I, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's stopping me from, from moving forward and writing new songs and exploring, exploring other things. Like I've had sessions and I've, I've still been still been writing. Um, I, I don't think that the, the just in general, like the chapter of "Show Me How You Disappear" is like won't be over for a long time. Like it's still figuring itself out. It just came out like a, a month or so ago, so things are still happening, and the record's still finding its way into people's ears. I just I I, I don't think it would be incomplete either way even if I was playing shows like it's still it's still just a really fresh fresh record but there's just some yeah there's just a missing piece and and that's okay like it doesn't it doesn't haunt me at night it's not like it's not like I'm tortured by it but I I definitely feel feel this little empty space in my heart <laughs> <laughs> is that is that maybe kind of partly because of the you know, the kind of narrative of the album itself, like a lot of it is about learning things about yourself and taking this journey. And even when we get to the end and we kind of have that moment of peace and reflection and it feels like you've hit a certain mark, the journey's not still over. We still get the sense that you're learning new things about yourself. Is that maybe why it still feels open to? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have not stopped learning things about myself through the process of writing, recording, putting out this record, doing interviews, even like, doing this podcast, I'm learning something new about myself and what I was actually thinking when I was writing it or recording it. Like every, everything lends itself to, I don't know, to be like a building block of this whole experience. I guess it's because you're coming at it from like different angles. Like when you approach yourself in your songwriting, when you approach yourself in conversation, day-to-day life, when you approach it in a setting like this in an interview, they're all different ways of kind of talking about yourself. And I imagine they all kind of lead to different uh, answers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
it's just I keep having new experiences with this record and all its songs, what they mean to me. And I think I feel refreshed each time because like, I'm just, you know, who isn't, who, who isn't a musician and, or who is a musician who isn't extremely, extremely critical of themselves? Like, it is hard to be a musician or be an artist in 2021. Like, it is so hard. Just mentally, it is exhausting and it can be really draining on, like, your mental health. I don't know. It's just the internet is weird and scary and strange and I don't know why I started saying that the internet is weird and scary and strange, but there was... It is weird and scary. There was a, there was something, <laughs> there was a reason I was saying that. Uh, I don't know, just that it's hard to trust yourself and trust your instincts when, like, you're seeing so many, so much other content and, like, everyone else putting out music. And But, but something that has happened in my growth is, like, like I, I have to stop comparing myself to other people. I have to trust that what I make is worth it, worth people's time. Like I have to be proud of it, but it's not easy to feel like you've, you've accomplished some, I don't know. It's just hard to be proud of things I make and, and, and like sit with them. I don't know. Just because it's just weird, like uh, just the internet is scary. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like just last <laughs> night. I had a little bit of a breakdown about Instagram and just the world that we live in, and I, I'm just speaking to myself about that. <laughs> Got to turn those notifications off. Uh, <laughs> I know. Did uh, it's maybe part of the reason that you find it hard to feel proud of it because, like, what you were saying there, how the meaning and the things you're learning from the songs feel like it's constantly changing. Right. Like if it doesn't ever get completed fully for you personally is it then difficult to get a sense of closure and pride with it i think well definitely i think a big part of like the the pride i get is from playing live and seeing people react or like seeing somebody sing the song or somebody come up after me come up to me after the show and like say how much something is meant to them like those things reassure me and make me feel like i'm i'm doing something worthwhile and all the time and energy and effort that I put into this is, is worth it. It does. Yeah. That, that part is missing and I'm finding new ways to find that within myself. Definitely. And and it's, it's, I'm actually excited that I have this time to do that else I'd go my whole life being a mess and searching for other people's validation I have the chance right now to work on it myself. And um, so, you know, oh God. That's my dog barking at someone. Give me one second. I'm sorry. Sorry. What kind of a dog? He is a Jack Russell Terrier. I have a feeling they might be a Scottish dog. Yeah, I think think he is. Yeah. He is full of energy. And <laughs> he's really great. His name is Blueberry. He's very special. I got him during 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 all this. Oh wow! So it's a young yeah. He's kind of puppy. like eight months. Oh wow! Okay. And it, 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 it's definitely really weird because he just doesn't. He never. He doesn't see a lot of people. So anytime like this man just walks in my gate to fix the laundry machine, and he just is like, "Who are you?" Like he just doesn't understand people still because 
he hasn't really gotten, gotten that much like human interaction, I guess. He's getting there, slowly but surely. <laughs> <laughs> it must be weird, yeah, for like a, a dog growing up not to have the same interaction that all other dogs yeah. do. Like, this part was kind of missing. Yeah, part of the I process. think anyone who got a dog during the pandemic, their dog is going to have like severe <laughs> issues, <laughs> anxiety, like separation anxiety, all that. You you were saying before that you kind of develop new ways outside of you know just playing shows and getting and people you know telling you that they resonate with your music to feel pride in it, yeah. and feel proud of it. What are some What are some of those methods? I think they're very just like internal and subconscious like i i don't think i've done anything really outwardly to 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 be like i i don't know i try to do a lot of a lot of like meditation type things that focus on healing myself and and being um satisfied with how how hard i work and yeah i think it's just small ways small meditations like that make the difference for me talking to myself and like reassuring myself that it's all good. It's all part of the process. I, yeah. Just kind of clearing your mind a little bit so you can have a little bit of fresh yeah. perspective on it. Yeah. It is, it is really weird to be in, you know, quarantine and be putting out a record and not have the opportunity to like really perform it in a in a different way and have like that fresh perspective happens kind of every night on tour like if you play a song differently or if you don't play a song that night or etc etc and like it's and it's not like i'm in my house right now playing (laughs) playing my songs for myself but if i have a live stream i guess i do that you kind of get that from the album cover too like every time you look at it there seems to be something yeah yeah that's kind of i mean that was a big that was a big goal with with the album cover kind of like finding new little things with each look and that's the same with like the listen listening through you know each time what was the last new thing you saw on the album cover or when did you last i'm I'm actually looking at it right now because it's it's like sitting (laughs) on my coffee table but i think that each time i look at that like big chunk in the middle of just chaos I'm like, is this just scribbles or is this a butterfly? Like, what what even is this? But on good days and on, like, when the light hits it right, it's definitely a butterfly to me that's in the middle there. It's like a Rorschach. Yes, it really is. It really is. Who um, designed it? They go by Elfie, actually. That is, like, their name, Elfie. Um, <laughs> um, and I think they live in Mexico City, and I've been a fan of their work for a long time, and I've just like been following them on Instagram and always wanted to collaborate on something, so we got to work on this together. Your uh, your mother used to run an art gallery, right? Or doesn't does run an art gallery? She does. Yeah. Wow. You're like Nardwar. <laughs> I, I wish. know you get that. Um, uh, yeah, she does. My mom is like a big art lady and grew up around all that kind of stuff. Is that maybe what you know, we were saying earlier that you'd always had a taste for design, a drive for design? Is that partially where that maybe comes from? Maybe. Yeah. I think growing up, definitely my mom, my mom really not pushed us, but was very like, 
adamant about being involved in the arts and taking both my sister and I to museums and all, all that and gallery openings. But I think I was really, I got really frustrated with my mom when I was younger because we'd go to museums and she'd spend like an hour in front of one painting, just sitting there staring <laughs> at it and reading. She would get the headphone, you know how people get like the headphones that you listen to and like, you're going to be that person. Now I understand, you know, I understand why she does that. She just, she wants to know everything. She wants to soak it all up as much as possible. And now I really respect that. But when I was younger, I was like, can we go? I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I, I, of course, like subconsciously, my mom's passion for art and creativity has seeped into me. Dude. Do you ever do that with musical artists where once you discover someone that you really love, you have to like read every interview and kind of uncover everything about them and understand them fully as a person? Uh, no, I don't. I actually don't do that. I think it's, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't dive too, too deep there. Some, I mean, I'm like really, really obsessed with Dua Lipa right now and the, like the pop star. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I'm on a Dua Lipa kick and I, not that I read her inter I don't like I'm not reading her interviews or anything, but I'm just I don't know, I've been watching a lot of videos and behind the scenes videos. Just like I feel like she's a down to earth pop star. I like her. <laughs> she's I've watched a few of her Zane Low interviews. And it's she seems to take herself very seriously. Yeah. I mean Which I find she, interesting when you put out like a big kind of bombastic pop album that seems to just be about having fun. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, it seems like she does take herself seriously. I think she's just extreme. I admire like how hardworking she is and how nice she seems and kind of like gentle and kind. And I really, I really like admire that in her. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I guess I, I don't really watch lots of interviews with, with artists or people. I'm not, I'm not really on that. There can be an element of once you start diving into them, they're just hitting the same bullet points in most of the right. conversations. Right. I'm like, if somebody listened to all my interviews, it would just be like, all right, all right, all right, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> do you find that you kind of get into a rhythm as you're doing like a press campaign? And once you kind of get going, do you kind of have the stories that you know that you want to make sure you address in certain interviews just so that you kind of get a full picture of what's going on? Uh, yeah, I mean... Some people ask very similar questions. Like this feels very different to me because we're just like chatting and talking about different kind of stuff. But some people just ask like the formulated questions. They're like, all right, well, here, I got, I got the perfect answer for you <laughs> that I've said before. So, yeah, it kind of just develops over time and then you just get into the rhythm, definitely. But I'm not. I, I'm not saying anything here that I've said. You know. <laughs> it's, I guess it's because it's the podcast as well, and when you're kind of having a chat, it, right? It can go anywhere a little bit. Right. Same with that like being in a music studio. Like if you're going into work with producers, there's no like you know rule book. It can go anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when there's like different people co coming from different worlds. Like I, I really like to work with producers who are in. Kind of, like we're kind of coming from different genres. Like I did want to work with some specifically pop producers for this record and me coming from 
never really playing pop music. It's just, I wanted to have like those two worlds mesh and meet and figure out a way to work together. When, when you're thinking about that, are you thinking of it in terms of when we get someone in the pop stuff, that's kind of going to help with the dancer side, the sword, or is it? Well, I didn't know the producers that I worked with on sword. I had no idea. They, they like aren't, they specifically aren't pop producers. Like I don't even know if they've done a pop kind of song before. So that was kind of out of left field, but it, it sort of drove me then to, to do more of that with other, other producers. Does that add more of a sense of unpredictability to the process then? Like yeah. bringing these different, yeah, di- bringing these different voices in and just not really knowing what's going to happen rather yeah, than that, planning it out. That's so fun for me. Like that's, that's the best part of recording. I think is just like figuring out weird stuff together, like making a weird sound and being like, that is perfect. How did you even do that? <laughs> At what point do you kind of get a sense of the album like in front of you? At what point do you kind of start to see the threads connecting it and see it as a whole and get a vague notion of where this is going and how it's going to end up? Never. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not really until, yeah, well, especially for this record, I didn't have that notion throughout because I was working with different producers kind of all, all throughout it and different songs had different people working on them and it's weird because yeah although although there were different people involved i think the record ended up sounding pretty cohesive i guess because i was like the the thread in in the middle yeah i i don't think um i didn't really know how it was all going to come together i guess and until we were getting it mixed and mastered and starting to think about the the track listing and then I was like, okay, here we are. <laughs> is that when you start to notice the lyrical threads? Like the way when yes. you think about, like my favorite cloud kind of opens with you talking about breathing and then it closes with you yes. having learned how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think I intentionally am doing threads throughout the lyrics. Like I'm not trying to make a concept album or relate one song to the next really in a secretive way like it just it just ends up that that's that's what the song needed or deserved it was that specific lyric and that's what i was feeling at the time so if if the if the the songs do relate to each other it's just because yeah they that's what i was going through and like it ended up working itself out yeah just born from a similar set of experiences yeah yeah it's interesting what we're saying about the threads, though, because there's stuff. You have the th- another one. So we're talking about breathing there. There's the th- kind of motif of water mm-hmm. that crops up in a few of the songs, but that also kind of popped up on your last record, I think. Mm-hmm. Was it your arms are water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, why do you think if you kind of get drawn back to that imagery, what is it that's pulling you back to it? Because um, it's used in a different context every time as well. Like you're not using it to kind of describe the same thing. Right. I think. Water to me represents something that is so nourishing and you need it to live and survive. But also water is so strong and powerful in the sense of like the ocean and <laughs> like that it can, it can be so you can drown, yeah. yeah, deadly and cause 
yeah, it can cause you to drown and go under and not be able to get back up. And, or even like someone who can't swim doesn't want to get near water. Like water can be very dangerous as well as super nourishing. And especially on this record, water, that's what water represents to me is like, I wanted to keep going back to a relationship that I felt it's almost like a drug. Like I felt like I needed the water or like what this person was giving me to survive. Um, but at the same time it was like killing me and drowning me and I was getting, you know, overflowed with, with what I thought I needed. How, how do you come to a point where you see that and you have that revelation? What prompts that? What pushes you in that direction to see that you're drowning in this relationship? Taking, taking steps back. I, I was in the relationship that now I, that I talk about throughout this most recent record is like the breakup of the relationship I was in while I was writing Crush Crusher. Crush Crusher like hints really hard at like, I need help. I'm really struggling. What's going on? But like loving someone still so much and I don't know, it's... Crush Crusher is like a cry for help, in my opinion. And then this record is like, I got help. I went through this. Um, I have some perspective. I'm still healing. It was really difficult, but at least I know what was going on. Did anyone hear that cry for help at the time? A close, close friends, I think, knew what was going on. M- yeah, my family, maybe. I, but I, 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 it's weird because writing music can be really like just really subconscious. Sometimes I would write a lyric and I wouldn't even realize obviously that it was a cry for help or it was a, something difficult I was dealing with. It's just like, oh, this is what came out in the moment. Weird. <laughs> but it was like I was trying to, to like give myself hints about the dangers or bad things that were happening. How, how far on from the writing did you see those hints? How long after it being completed? As soon as um, Crush Crusher came out, I had separated from that person. Like it was like almost like the week that that record came out, we separated. And it was really weird because I had to do all these interviews asking about the record i had it was like very strange for me and and i kept uh it was very confusing because i really didn't know at all what the record was about in this weird way i was like what what do i even feel at all what did i write here i don't even know like my my emotions are so scrambled and confused it was almost written by a different person yes yes someone who like was trying to help me so it was very confusing to write that record. Not to say that I'm not like proud of it, but I, I just definitely feel that on this most recent record, I have this like very, very special pers- perspective that did not exist before. Is it comforting to look back though and when you see yourself writing that Crush Crusher record and seeing that you wanted to help yourself? Because some people will put them... We'll, we'll end up in these relationships because of it's the whole idea, isn't it? We accept the love that we think we deserve and people won't want to help themselves. Is it comforting to look back and realize that you do and that you have that in you? Yeah. 
Yeah. I have always been someone who wants to help myself. I'm always like searching. If I don't feel good, I know I don't feel good. And I'm like, I need something here. I really am attuned to my body and my emotions. And I, it is comforting. It is comforting to know that I was trying to almost like tell my, tell myself a, a secret or like be like, here's a hidden message. Like do what you will. It might be tough to, to speculate with the record only have being been out how long has it been out five weeks six weeks um yeah March, probably, right? probably like six yeah six weeks or so is, is there anything you long believed to be true about yourself that through writing this last album you've kind of realized or maybe even through the reflection which led to the record you realized wasn't well i think i had this narrative for some time about being weak like not feeling powerful and strong and or strong enough to deal with trauma basically um because this record was written in a period where i was getting a lot of help and trying to heal from that trauma i think i started learning about my power and about my ability to be strong and strong in my emotions Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.